everybody, Andrea Renee here with Britt Brombacher. We are in Washington, D.C. at the Division II preview event, and we are sitting down with Chloe, the IP researcher at Massive from Sweden. How's it going, Chloe? I'm good. Thanks. Good. Well, thanks for chatting with us today. So when Britt and I heard that we were going to get the chance to speak with you today, I think we both were, what the heck is an IP researcher? <laughs> yes, indeed. Please tell us, because I have no idea what you do. <laughs> so basically, as an IP researcher, I'm the bearer of the logic of the world. So I bring creative solutions to the narrative, art, and design team within the studio and help them building a coherent and logical world of the division two. Ubisoft has been really excellent throughout all of their franchises about putting an emphasis on historical accuracy. And I remember when we spoke with Julian at the last event, he discussed the one-to-one recreation of Washington, D.C. So how much of that fell on your shoulders? Uh, well, as an AP researcher, <laughs> I was the one bringing research documents through like tips and references and making sure the teams has answers to their questions. So that's my responsibility to make sure that we know the reality and that we can stretch it a little bit and make it fun for the players. So clearly this is based off of a, a Tom Clancy property, right? It's yes. Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Yeah. Um, how do you, as the IP researcher, blend what comes from the Tom Clancy universe into what's coming from Massive and what you know Ubisoft has done with The Division property overall? That's actually a really good question because it's really tied to what I do. Um, when we started thinking about another setting for the players to have fun with another setting, we considered different cities in the U.S. and we eventually thought about Washington, D.C. because it, it really has everything a player could dream of. The var- variety of biomes, uh, the different landmarks, location, and the thing we could do with it in terms of art was super interesting. The narrative aspect of it made sense as well because as an agent of the division, you belong to the president, so you want to discover what happened to the city and why the authorities didn't respond as they should have. So basically, when I started to do the research on the city, I really wanted to make sure that everything I would find would fit the IP. Basically, it's make sure the the info fit with the pillars of Tom Clancy's and the clear and present danger and the fact that the threat is here and you are as an agent, the last line of defense. So, because you can spend 10 years doing research about a city, and (laughs) I mean, that was not exactly the idea. 
we didn't have 10 years to, to do that and we really wanted the player to, to have fun uh, on this. So I made sure that we had uh, trips compelling enough for the team. So we met with uh, firefighters just next door, the Chinatown Caserna. Uh, they, uh, they, we had an interview with them on the 4th of July two years ago. They were super kind with us to explain to us Uh, what was the strategic location of their uh, caserne and and everything around. We met with the urban explorer, of course, FEMA were uh, really involved in the process, uh, but also we met with people like locals. It was really important for us to have the soul of the city because most of the time people don't expect like DC to have uh, such uh, an important culture or art scene. So we met with musicians, uh, people that are um, involved in two associations, people that would uh, give us an insight and uh, really their experience of what is Washington DC, what it's like to live in, what they listen to, what they do during weekends, that type of things. I mean, that's <laughs> what would you say yeah. is the most surprising thing you learned during this research? I learned a lot on, I would say, the fragility of the city. Uh, it has a lot of different agencies, a lot of different infrastructure, and people think that DC is, of course, one of the most safeguarded city and protected city. And this is what we represent in the Division 2, is how a city like that would collapse like what happened so this is part of the mystery that the the player has to solve to get here and to understand what happened so the city is really complex you have a lot of different agencies and these buildings around us uh, that you you think are really protected like for example the fbi building all that type of things Well, I found some really interesting info online. So you have sometimes some failure in the security. So that was some of aspects that surprised me. It's interesting that you say that because I would imagine that these different government agencies are going out of their way to kind of quash that information online if there is a real vulnerability. Did you find any of your online research didn't match up with what you learned from the people here on the ground in D.C.? I think what we learned here was really grounded research, like examples of which street would be blocked uh, if something happened, or really they, they gave us really valuable insights of what would they do because they are experts in their field. So how a, a policeman would react. I think this aspect also is super interesting for us to understand the mindset of people that are supposed to protect uh, the, the facilities and that type of thing. And what would they do uh, if they were in, in that situation? I think this is also the, the question that we ask to players. What would they do when they come to DC? Like, I think it's a, it's a very valuable thing. And when we do research online and ref trips just uh, allow us to make sure we 
have this authenticity in terms of visuals like branding, signage, for example. So we, we recreate all that type of details that sometimes uh, players don't uh, notice. It was interesting. We got a chance to talk to um, Chadi when we were at the Air and Space Museum yeah. here in Washington. And he said that it was one of his favorite research trips because they really wanted to recreate the inside of that museum for a, a mission that the players are going to experience in the Division 2, down to the texture and the color of the carpet in the hallways. Yes. yes. Yeah, uh, we really put a lot of uh, details on this recreation to make sure that all these little things tell stories, and that's what makes the DC feeling comparing to New York, for example, because downtown in this area where we are right now, some streets can look like New York. So this is all. This all comes down to these details, like the the license plate on cars, for example, where you see Maryland or Virginia, because you have a lot of commuters coming to work within uh, in in downtown, for example. All these small details, the the sign on the on the trash cans, all that type of things, makes all the city comes alive. And this is what we we. Yeah, we worked really hard on that as well. So it's interesting talking about the massive amount of work that went into recreating Washington, D.C. one-to-one, but this is a video game after all. Like, Why did you guys as a studio decide that this commitment to realism was so important for this game? Because as you said, it's a Tim Clancy franchise, and I think people really like to have this transformation of a city that they all know somehow, but uh, we were really eager to, to transform it. Of course, we, we had uh, all the data to have like the benches, the trees, etc. But I think it all comes as well to the seven months after the pandemic happened to see how people managed to find resources or factions that took over some buildings and strategic location. I think this twist is super interesting for us and we are really passionate about transforming the world and making it um, really like a collapsing city. It's it's different from what people see in their daily life. Brett, any other questions? Is there one historical landmark in particular that you see and you're like, oh, we nailed this. This is so cool. <laughs> in terms of like how it looks now post-apocalyptic style, right? Um uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it would be more the players to answer to that questions because uh, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, no you could say the White House, but uh, I think uh, I like the 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 Capitol a lot. I think uh, I think it's a really interesting building, and we we manage to always find ways for the players to discover the landmarks throughout a different eye, and I think to to change the perspective the perspective of the players on these landmarks is also something super surprising. So, yeah. Well, Chloe, thank you so much for the time, and thank we look you. forward to discovering historical DC landmarks when we get to play the Division Two. 
What's good, everybody? Andrew Renee here, and we are back with Julian Garrity, the creative director at Massive on The Division 2. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Feels like we just saw you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but now we're in Washington, D.C. I know. It's yeah. so exciting. This is my very first time in Washington, D.C. It's your first time, too, right, Britt? It is, yeah. What, what's crazy? Weren't you schoolgirls in the States? Yes. And you never came to Washington, D.C.? Never came to Washington, D.C. I went to, I was telling Brittany that we got the opportunity to go to the Space Museum in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Okay. So we got to see a lot of the stuff that we saw at the Air and Space Museum here. But no, never came here. But there's a first time for everything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we loved being able to chat with you and we got to play uh, hands-on with the Vision 2 and what came in the private beta just a couple of weeks back, but... We still had so many questions left and obviously now have even more questions now after seeing the presentation that you guys put together talking about the extensive research that you and the team did to really try to recreate Washington, D.C. as as close to -to one-to-one as possible. Recreate and destroy. Because that's uh, oh, that's yes. the uh, <laughs> that's the key thing for me. It's not just a recreation; right. it's, a, it's a whole transformation afterwards, and that's the fun part. Well, because this crazy virus has happened. There's been looting. There's been lots of violence going on in the city, and kind of deconstructing something that's such a visual icon, particularly for Americans, but also people around the world. Mm. I think everybody has seen that image of the Capitol or that image of the White House. Yeah. Was there something that you took personal joy in destroying? <laughs> to, to, to be honest, when you look at the city, when you you're you're shuttled around or you walk around the city. It's a city with wide open streets with a, a lot of places that are, they're not visually particularly interesting. So the real trick becomes how do we make all of this super interesting and super adapted to a cover-based shooter? So if you ask me, I think the game, the Washington DC in the game is more interesting and prettier than the Washington DC out there. Don't tell the Washington DC <laughs> tourist board, but I really find it more engaging as well. So if you look at this area in the in the game, it's far more interesting than the chain restaurants that you see out here. So And that's not just the HDR at work? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not just the HDR at work. It it really is the the work that we put into to make each of the streets pop and to tell the stories that we need to tell with the, the environment that we have. Again, this type of game, super complex to, to deliver uh, compelling stories because it's open world, non-linear, and co-op focused. So you know, a lot of the looter shooters have this, this incredible challenge of crafting very engaging narrative where we want to excel is with the environment, the, uh, the environmental storytelling and things like echoes and collectibles that fill in the lore for everybody and that you can do at your own pace. We were talking with Chloe about her responsibility on the team as the IP researcher. And Chloe is absolutely awesome. She's yeah, the she's secret great. weapon on, on the team. <laughs> but the thing that I kind of came away from that conversation with was, um, and something that we touched on briefly with her that I would then impose to you as well is, this is clearly a video game. Yep. And there's always going to be elements of fantasy in it to move the gameplay mechanics forward, yep. right? But where do you, as a studio, or really as the creative lead of this mm-hmm. team, draw the line between what you want to recreate as faithfully as possible and where you're going to take liberties? That's a great question. I, I, think, I think some of our most interesting missions 
are in places where nobody knows what it looks like inside. So we're, we're, we're acting on something that has a, an expectation or a, a legend to it, but nobody really knows what it looks at like inside. We have one mission that's based in the Space Administration's uh, headquarters. I, I can't remember the name that we came up with it, but it's definitely not NASA. Definitely not NASA. You can't use NASA in the game? Nope. So we, we came up with our own Space Administration and that HQ that's in Washington, nobody knows what it looks like, but it fires up your imagination. So we can really craft a, a level and a, an experience that's super unique and, and compelling because we're, we're hitting all the tropes and then we're surprising. So we, those are the areas that I think, okay, nobody knows what it looks like. Let's lean into it and really build something that uses all of our imagination where we can surprise people as well. We, we have a Cold War bunker in the game, which is kind of like the same thing. It's a time capsule of a certain time period in the United States history that's super interesting to go through. Even just seeing some of the uh, airplanes that we saw in the Air and Space Museum during our tour, or even going through the Capitol building and seeing like the original Supreme Court chambers, yep. it reminds you that Washington, D.C. is pretty old. It's one of the oldest places in America. Yeah. It's coming from Europe. It's not that old. Oh no! Yeah, I, mean, I think about is, I think about you know a franchise like Assassin's Creed and how that I, that's yes. really old, there right? You go. Yeah, and some of those structures are still standing in right. in Europe. So it, as as old as it is, it's actually quite recent. Uh, I grew up uh, in England and in France, in Paris, and there are certain structures there that I've seen books in Oxford that are older than the, the United States. So, so it, it's old. Right. Yes, I'll grant you that, but it's not that old. It's old for America, though. It is Come old on, for Julie. America. Be on my yeah, side. Yeah, it's yeah. a little okay. bit. You're this right. Is a, this is a you Tom are, Clancy series we're talking about it, here. You are absolutely right. It's ancient. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it is something that I think is remarkable and that we can play on as well because there's a lot of history and mythology here, too. Did, did you notice the, the Greek gods on the top of the capital? Yes, uh, I did. And in the fresco up there yes. in the rotunda. And the idea that Washington was built as the new Rome and, and what that means in terms of power, in terms of uh, the ambition, the empire, and th those type of things are super fun to play around with. I'm so glad you brought up the feeling of power because mm. it's something that you kind of can't put your finger on but when you get down here in in washington dc and get close to like the 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 mall and the monument and the white house you kind of kind of feel it in the air 100%. right and yep. how do you go about recreating that je ne sais quoi like inside the game it, it, it's actually something that's quite tough it's a great question because uh, the buildings and the architectural style that you have over here in the the governmental areas is made that way to make you feel small, to make you understand that you are in the presence of greatness and power. These are huge, brutalist, neoclassical buildings that take up blocks at a time. This is, these are the, the pyramids of the United States. And if you go to any capital, any capital that has this sort of, this sort of feel to it, uh, even a communist type of feel you'll feel that same thing. If you go to uh, some of the squares in China, the squares in China are bananas big. 
And everything is there to make you feel insignificant. And in the game, well, your character is always going to have a set camera distance to it. So the, the perspective and that, fear, that grandiose feeling is a little bit minimized by it. But we, we try and work with certain camera tricks there to, to give you that same impression. It also makes it a little eerie and daunting, too, when you see these historical landmarks just shrouded by a rebel group or even nature taking it back. It's kind of freaky. Absolutely. And it's done on purpose. As soon as you see the Lincoln Memorial, but with graffiti on it and, you know, maybe he's missing a hand, you know some serious stuff has gone down. And, and, and that's why using the, these symbols and transforming them perverting them a little bit is so powerful that's why you know uh independence day they blow up the white house godzilla destroys the statue of liberty these are these are tropes that we can lean into too so it's tom clancy's disaster movie basically i could talk to you about dc all day but i do want to pivot a little bit to talk about something else that you guys mentioned in your presentation mm-hmm. earlier today at this preview event, and that's about the content and your long-term commitment mm-hmm. to the content that's coming in the Division 2. So we talked about a 40-hour story, and mm-hmm. then we have daily, weekly, and monthly activities, and a strong end game. We're like the three pillars that were discussed in the yeah. presentation. And it was said, quote, hundreds of hours of content. Is this really being built off the backs of what you learned from your community in the division and what they're really looking for in post-launch continuation of gameplay? I, I think it's a different strategy uh, informed by uh, reactions from the community. But uh, it, it is a, a very different way to approach it. So we have learned from the first game, but it's also learning from ourselves and learning from the dev team and where we wanted to bring the experience. For me, the, the game at launch uh, has 40 hours. It has an end game, which represents your progression as well and not just additional challenges. The year, the commitment to a year of free content afterwards is, is something that I'm very much attached to. In the first game, we had a season pass. And the season pass had three DLCs that split the community. So no matter how good they are, you're splitting the community. You're not allowing everybody to, to play those experiences. I really wanted us to stay away from that. So, you know, we'll have a lot of experiences delivered in the first year, main missions, story-based content, which we know is a big uh, community favorite as well. Uh, new modes, new maps, that type of thing. And it'll be free for everyone because, again, everybody playing the same things and being able to access the same equipment for their characters is absolutely essential for this type of game. I want to talk a little bit about a game as a service. Mm. Clearly, you guys have supported The Division for a long time after its original launch. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing several other publishers kind of looking at this game model of, okay, we're going to have a game at launch, then we're going to continue to support that community. But putting out a game that's inherently multiplayer focused and online mm. player focused can present a whole nother set of challenges in mm. addition to the actual content that you launch with. What are some of the things that you're seeing from other people in the space that you're like, hey, I see the challenges that team is suffering. I want to make sure to prevent 
our team from suffering that same challenge? Or have you noticed any of those trends? I, I think I've been so busy with our problems that I haven't <laughs> had necessarily looked at everybody else's. Well, the reason uh, I bring it up is because, you know, we've seen games launch over the last six months or so. And a lot of our fans are like, why didn't that team see the mistake this other team made? And, yeah. and it's like, that's a hard question to answer, but maybe you would be a better person to answer than I could ever be. I've, I've, I've been making games for 20 years, and this is by far the hardest challenge that you can do. It's incredibly difficult on a technical basis where I don't understand, right? Uh, my technical director will come and see me and say, the floating point's off by seven degrees, and I'll be like, okay, we can't do that then. <laughs> I have no idea what it means, but he's the smartest guy in the room. So I defer to him. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that are almost magical to me. You go to a mission, you matchmake, you're put into a team of four, you cross that door, seamless, you're into the mission, you come out of the mission, you're back into the open world, you're still matchmade. It's all seamless. The dark zone. Going in there as a solo player and being automatically matchmade in the space of that one gate. I mean, seriously, we, I, in my humble opinion, Massive and the other studios don't get enough credit for that technical magic over there. And trust me, this has nothing to do with me. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even understand it. It's just fantastic. But there are things that we didn't do well on the first game. You know, uh, we launched almost without an endgame. It was a very light endgame. And the first endgame challenge we did almost broke the game. It took us uh, until 1.4 and the introduction of world tiers and gear score to have an endgame progression. Now, all of those lessons we've applied into the Division 2. And at launch, the Division 2 is going to have so much of what we learned and added to the first game day one. And that's just the starting point. I know that 80% of my time is going to be spent on the health of the game post-launch. It won't be spent on the new uh, activities or anything else. It's really focused on the health and making sure that the, the experience that we have is super balanced for everyone. I'm going to give Brittany the last word. Do you have a final question for Julian before he has to go? <laughs> Do you? So during the presentation, you talked about the different locations. There's yep. historic, there's natural, there's city, there's the burbs. So how is gameplay going to change or how does it need to adapt if mm. I'm a player going from location to location? That, that's a great question. I think the presentation downstairs was very broad strokes. I mean, these are biomes and these are almost ways high-level ways to treat big big parts of the map. But really what we're doing is going in almost street by street and trying to craft stories around those streets. And of course, there'll be huge differences in gameplay in between, let's say, a control point on the mall versus a control point in a abandoned subway station. Think of the confines of the space, the different types of tools uh, and guns that you'll need to be able to conquer that. And we really lean into that. So the AI was radically improved from the first game to make them much more uh, efficient when in wide open spaces. And in fact, some of the experiences that I prefer in the game today are not the main missions and not the side missions. It's the open world activities. Uh, The control points for me, unbelievably fun. 
They're too difficult, Julian. Which ones did you try? <laughs> I don't remember the exact name of it, but I remember getting beaten very soundly and being on the ground <laughs> waiting for my teammates to revive me. <laughs> they, they are challenging. You know what happens there? I, I think this build, I know exactly what happens. This was after you played Grand, uh, Grand Washington Hotel, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So Grand Washington Hotel we are still using an introduction faction. So we, we've got baby gloves on at oh, that moment. okay. So you're telling me it's on me. You gave me no, the soft intro. No, 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 no. It's we, fine. We had I need a soft to get good. In- it's all right. <laughs> we have a soft intro. But after that moment, your weapons and your gear is going to count much, much more. So it, it's a soft intro to, to let you get into the controls of the game, to, to make sure that you understand the cover-based system, um, armor, that type of thing. And then we ramp it up a little bit. Well, listen, I could keep chatting with you all afternoon, but I know there's many other people that would like to talk to you today. So thank you so much thank again. You. And we're looking forward to launch in just a couple of weeks. Yes, me too. <laughs> What's good, everybody? Andrea Renee here with Brittany, of course, at the Division Two preview event in Washington, D.C. And we are sitting down now with a lead environmental artist from Massive. It is Chad. Good to see you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. So Brittany and I have been out gallivanting around Mm. Washington, D.C., looking at all these places that have inspired these locations that we're going to see in the game. And it's been really interesting talking to to Julian and Chloe about how it really has been a team effort Mm. to bring this one-to-one Washington, D.C. into the Division 2. So I think it would be great for our listeners to hear directly from you about what exactly your role as an environmental artist plays um, in coordination with what all the other teams are doing as well. Yeah, right. So uh, as an environment artist uh, at Massive, uh, what we do is work closely with level designers. Uh, So uh, they lay out a a block out or a footprint, if you like, of how the the gameplay will flow um, uh, and very importantly, they define where the covers will be. Being a cover-based shooter, uh, the metrics of this, the lines of sight and everything are very important. So uh, as environment artists, we then come in and and make that a reality. So we are the ones who care the most about uh, all the details. Uh, We define how it looks. Uh, We iterate on on how it it feels uh, and and the overall design. Um, And we, we... really try and care about the details and the storytelling through the propping to build up a a visual environment. It was interesting hearing part of the presentation that was given here at the event, talking about the work with Pinewood Studio and all of the sound design Mm -hmm. and even things like the rain and how the rain is Mm going to look different in different scenes. When we were doing our tour earlier today, we went to the Air and Space Museum. One of the people on the tour asked, oh, there's these beautiful windows inside this museum. Are you going to only see this at night or are we going to see it during the day and mm. and that's when um they talked about the dynamic weather system i mean it seems like you guys have a lot of stuff to juggle when you're talking about the art in the environment yeah it's really um uh we uh, we struggle to get that focus on just doing the beautiful fine art because there's so much else to do like we, we're really uh, in the production cycle where we're hubs working in in the snowdrop engine to bring everything together uh, but it's nice that you mentioned the weather because, I mean, one thing we do in the Division 2 uh, that we weren't able to do in Division 1 was uh, we have a new technology uh, that uh, really allows the sun to come into interiors and bounce around. And so it reflects the weather, what's, whatever's going on outside. You, you see uh, 
in uh, in the interiors and um, it's something that as a player you don't really notice because it's just natural but uh, it, it, it um, it's it's uh, actually a new tech for us uh, and it, it feeds into the narrative and plot of Division 2 because uh, a lot of power is knocked out uh, so what we really wanted to do with the, the lighting design uh, was to push natural light more so than we did in, in New York in Division 1. So Division 2, there's a lot more uh, open windows, light flowing in, kudzu creeping in as the nature tries to reclaim the environments. Uh, and it brings quite a different uh, contrasting feel to the new game. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up, the difference between the Division and the Division 2. And the first thing I think of, of course, is the skyscrapers in New York mm. City block a lot of the natural sunlight. Yeah. So you wouldn't probably have as much to play. So it maybe was convenient that now you've got yeah. the tech in Snowdrop <laughs> yeah. in order to be able to do some more of that cool lighting and textures and things like that. Um, we also have on our tour here in Washington, D.C., got to see the inside of the Capitol building. Yeah. And that is... a wide variety of textures mm. and colors yeah. and even down to looking at the rotunda where the different types of stone don't match that was part of the tour our tour mm. guide was like you may notice that the stone doesn't match because mm. they whitewashed it when they built it how do you guys go about picking out which details are important to make sure you get right and which ones you're like well the player's probably just going to run by that hallway real quick yeah. so let's focus on something else instead yeah exactly that's a good question because uh, pe- people think when you're recreating a city uh, one-to-one that you just copy everything. But, of course, that wouldn't work. Um, uh, and you you really have to be careful and clever about how you stylize the environment that you're building. You need to focus your budget on the things that matter most. Um, as you say, the, the buildings are lower here. There's more open sky. So um, apart from a beautiful new cloud system. We're also looking at the silhouettes we create on those low-lying buildings, uh, putting a lot of detail in there. Um, and then, uh, as you say, with with beautiful buildings like the Capitol, the National Archives, um, really beautiful buildings that incorporate uh, stone, different types of polished stone, um, embedded polished brass, um, embedded leather, and like all these materials that uh, work so well in in the kind of the, the PBR lighting system that we have in Snowdrop. Uh, it's it's it was um, a really fortunate challenge for us to to try and recreate these these buildings these uh, landmarks. It sounds like you guys are also limited in some of the things you could manipulate and some of the things you couldn't because I think things are protected here in DC. Mm. Were there any major challenges or do you see them more as creative challenges? Yeah, they're definitely creative challenges, but everything uh, gets a legal pass. Uh, I did the same in in New York. Uh, It's not so different, I think, from cinematic teams who want to make a movie. Uh, So, I mean, one of the things that we do is we recreate the brands of DC. So DC itself has, you know, it has a logo with the stars and stripes. We had to recreate this. Uh, we recreated the brands for, for the police and security services, firefighters, uh, FEMA, CDC, all that kind of thing. Uh, we, we try and think of those brands um, from, from uh, head to tail, so to speak. So not, not just ha- uh, how they look uh, in a poster or something, but, but from, from micro to macro uses throughout the world. Uh, we th- try and think of them um, properly as a, as, as a brand, as you would if you were making a brand. 
No, that that absolutely makes sense. It's, I think it's a challenge that sometimes gamers who are just booting up the game to play don't stop to think about the massive amount of work that goes on on the other side to mm. bring some of this iconic yeah. imagery into a game. Yeah. And I always find it really fascinating hearing about these kind of behind the scenes stories that go along to make something like the Capitol building in the division two a reality. Yeah. So we, um, I mean, one example would be we, we weren't able to recreate the world war two memorial that you see, uh, near the Washington monument, uh, when you're looking out towards, uh, Lincoln Memorial, but we created a different memorial there that has a similar feel. Um, and it happens to be an important site for the, the, the introduction to the second part of the, um, the, the game. Well, we won't, we won't go into details about that. We'll keep it secret. I did want to bring up something that Brittany asked Julian about when we were chatting with him, having to do with the different neighborhoods or the areas inside of Washington, D.C. Yeah. that they spoke about in the presentation that we watched earlier and how each of these different districts has a specific purpose. Like this district was where they quarantined people mm. by the river. Or this district is where all the businesses were. So it was where the looting was. And Julian was speaking about the gameplay components and how they're different. And But clearly they have a very visually different way of conveying to the player what happened here. Yeah. And your team clearly ha- plays a major role in that. And so how do you go out deciding, well, this is the part of DC where we're going to make this look and this part is going to have this feel instead? Yeah, exactly. So it's all, it's all based in research to try and build a believable world. So we define, uh, we, we, we note which areas uh, are more residential, for example. So we imagine, okay, there are um, people left behind here. Uh, what's happened? They couldn't. They couldn't get out. Uh, it's a global pandemic, so maybe they didn't bother trying to evacuate. Um, so they they uh, stayed behind, and then you see the um, the trash that we're renowned for um, building up in the streets. You'll see even more trash in Division Two. Um, more uh, trash than in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> 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 in, in these areas, yes. Um, uh, so yeah, exactly. So we we had all kinds of new challenges uh, that weren't present uh, in Division One in New York City. Um, wider open spaces, natural environments. Um, in Roosevelt Island, uh, of course, nothing like that uh, did we try in, in Division One. So did you personally find this research assignment to do this environmental storytelling something that you were excited about because it was so different from where you're from? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm, um, I'm a bit of a photography nerd, uh, so I, I really pushed um, that we took the, the photography seriously. Uh, and when, uh, when I came back from the research trip, uh, I keyworded, uh, I tagged every single photo with what was present. You know, this, this has branding, it has natural environments, it has cars, it has a trash can, it has <laughs> um, a parking sign. And so it, th- thousands and thousands of photos are all tagged. So now the, the team can um, search through those tags to find something they want. Wow, they want. that is an impressive cataloging system. Weeks. It took me weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but now you have the best photo book of all time. Just photos of trash cans and parking signs. (laughs) Well, Brittany, do you have any final questions? I'll ask you what I asked Chloe. Is there Mm -hmm. one particular area you can talk about that you're super excited about that you're like, we nailed this? Yeah, I think the the thing for me, when you first arrive in DC uh, from the international airport, you cross the bridge 
past Roosevelt Island and you see the JFK Performing Arts Center there on the left. And um, uh, my team worked on both uh, the JFK mission and Roosevelt Island uh, and, and being able to see the transformation, uh, the impact of the, the, the joint task forces and, and the EVAC and, and trying to cope with the, uh, the virus and the infection uh, and then seeing what the enemy factions have done when they've come and, and overtaken these sites and seeing that visible from a distance, I think, is, is really exciting and beautiful. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing it in the game. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, and, of course, you. the Division 2 out in just a couple of weeks. Yeah.